or spark notes for the fun parts of history that you didn't learn in school. Hey, and welcome to the Meet Your Heroes podcast. My name's Elliot. And I'm Audrey. And this is a podcast where we ignore the conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes and instead get to know who they really are. Yeah, that's what we usually do. But not today. Not today. Special episode. Episode 20. Special edition. Limited edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ultra rare. For all you unboxing fans <laughs> out there. <laughs> the ultra rare limited edition episode of the Meet Your Heroes podcast. Extra special. Today we take a look back and try to tease out what we've learned, what we've seen, what it is that makes a hero a hero. Yeah. 20 long weeks later. A lot can happen in 20 weeks. That is what I've learned, number one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's... I've learned that eight weeks actually feels like 20 weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, we move very slowly, and then all of a sudden, I think well, March was like, March was basically six years long, mm-hmm. and then April has just been an unending series of Wednesdays <laughs> with no, with nothing to differentiate them. Yeah. Fun fact, it's the middle of May now. Oh, <laughs> is it May? Is it it's May? It's May. Yep. Wow. Right wow. in the middle of it, actually. When did that happen? <laughs> day by day. They just keep coming, and they don't stop coming. Man, they were so right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, so now looking back at these many years of weeks, the question I think we're left with is, what makes a hero a hero? Yeah, so what do most of the heroes that we featured have in common? They've got their, I mean, they got their quirks, right? There's a lot of variation. Yeah, but I'm increasingly convinced that there, there's a special combination of a few things that are must-haves if you want to be a hero. So, you can have all the other stuff, too, but there are some, like, very similar must-have character traits or behaviors if you want fame and power. So maybe what we're actually doing is we're prepping for our book that we're going to write mm. on not not Never Meet Your Hero, but... How to be a hero. How to be a hero. Yeah, this yes. is a how-to guide that we're preparing. We didn't realize <laughs> it at the time. There you go. So if you're a literary agent, go ahead and give us a call. Yes. Listener, sneak peek. Okay. few short steps, few things you definitely need mm-hmm. to join our list of illustrious heroes. Yep. So okay. You, so you need, I think, at least three very specific things. Oh, three. That's, I can count to three. Three. Let's hear what you got. What is it, What are the things we need? You have to have confidence. You have to believe that you are right, your way is right, and you have to behave as if everything you do is right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, several of our heroes uh, were were not right. Mm-mm. Oh, but they believed it. Oh, but they believed they believed it very very hard. Double down. Yes. In, in addition to having the confidence to to live life on your own terms and only your terms, <laughs> you also have to be very loud. You have to be willing to like assert that you believe your specific way is the correct way. Wait, so number two, this is a separate thing. Number two separate is like thing. not quiet confidence in yourself, mm-hmm. but yeah. loud confidence in yourself. I mean, there are a lot of like totally wholly decent people who are very confident 
in themselves, they just don't shove it down other people's throat. And that's not going to work. It's not going to work if you <laughs> want to be infamous. Well, if you want to be a hero. These people, not really infamous. These are like the famous ones. And you also have to be shameless. Okay, so number three. Three. Shameless. Like you have to be willing to confidently yell your beliefs and act in alignment with them no matter who it hurts. Okay. What do you think? First off, I think I'm having a hard time concentrating because of how loud Clyde is snoring in the background <laughs> sitting here. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Not a hero. Not a hero. Loud, confident, shameless. <laughs> he is all three of those. Matches them. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I think you're right. I think there is, yes, clearly confidence. There's no self-doubt. Maybe self-reflection, maybe in some of these people. I mean, um, I think actually deep down, some of these folks are supremely insecure yeah i mean that's that i think actually may help the incredible confidence because then the loudness right spreading the message and then also the third thing right like total lack of empathy shame just like that's that is a recipe crafted by a deep down buried core of self-doubt yeah and self-loathing my dad always says if you have to say you are you aren't right because like if you're behaving in a way that requires you to make it something you're talking about, then it's your actions are not speaking loud enough. The amount of bravado and shamelessness required for some of these people to succeed, you know they weren't like really feeling it deep down. Yeah, so let's talk so Columbus, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So clearly Episode two episode for two folks who are clearly so wrong, so 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 wrong mm -hmm. about so many things about sailing, about the earth, about the size of the earth about where he was, about how to be a leader in the place he was, right. all of these things, clearly so wrong, incredibly loud, mm -hmm. incredibly consistently loud and wrong, mm -hmm. even when it was clear to everybody else around him, like in his later years, wrote, wrote, doubled down in his life story about how wrong he was, definitely didn't give any empathy about anybody else. I think that works for it. Yeah. Um, him, Graham Bell, Coco Chanel, I'm trying to think, there's a fourth thing that I think all these people have in common, Winston Churchill... Uh, Dr. Seuss for sure, uh, John Lennon, Steve Jobs, I think Ronald Reagan for sure, and definitely Freud. Okay, so I think there's a fourth thing. Okay. All of those people, the thing that they have in common is also a specific set of people who sometimes during their life, but almost certainly after they died, did the important work of erasing all the bad things <laughs> from their history and completely faking it and like rewriting it to be good things. Oh, Mother Teresa. I would put Mother Teresa on that oh, list. Oh, yeah. Too. And Gandhi. Oh, and Gandhi. Yes. Right. Absolutely. All of them. All of them. I'm uh, looking basically. at this list, right? I'm, so we Albert have Albert Einstein has less people like that. That's the only reason I, I think back. But almost everybody. Napoleon, I don't know. I don't know. Basically, I mean, almost this, everybody. This all started because of the Napoleon exhibit, right? That's true. Where somebody's doing that exact thing. Yes. Good point. This posthumous cleanup crew. Right. So we're, you know, talking about Napoleon in an art museum. You're like, hey, where's all the genocide? <laughs> and, you know, not there. <laughs> they were just like, oh, but look at this painting and this painting. Right. So even if they don't fully like spit shine it, they definitely get out the worst parts of the legacy. Yeah. I mean, they get out the worst parts. Sometimes they are actively shaping it. Right. Um. There's that saying, right, like winners write history. And really it's the PR firm 
in charge of cleaning up these people's images seem to write history. Yeah, I mean, like they're the winners and it is not like a, it's not like a figurative thing. I guess like I right. always imagine like, oh, if you were in a country that won a war, your historians are going to be trying their best, but inherently their view of your victory is going to place them on the side of the narrative where like it's told from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And like in that way, you will write the history. But basically the facts will be the same. And right. it turns out like, no, in a lot of these cases, there's literally somebody there who's like editing out documents, yeah. <laughs> like covering like, stuff up. Like Freud, most recently top of my mind, right? Like his daughter did the work of like, there's there's papers they won't release for 300 years. And then there's some that they release for biographies that like explicitly they just like cut parts of them out or like mm-hmm. they hid them and they like deceptively edited them. Yeah. Um, the Mother Teresa miracle where they were literally like, this was a doctor treated thing. It showed that the miracle was actually just a guy getting. Yeah. Yeah. A woman getting chemotherapy. And then the nuns literally came in and stole the medical records and say there's no record of the chemotherapy anymore. Like it's it's not just figurative. There's active editing of the stories because like that narrative is very powerful once it's out there Mm -hmm. because most people don't aren't going to do the effort to like dig into how it got shaped, how it got. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's such loyalty to these folks? Right. Because these aren't people. These are not like artists who got famous after they died. These were like famous people when they were alive. So they had this following. But like what good is preserving the legacy of someone who did shitty things when they were alive just because you liked them when they were alive? Like I don't I don't fully get it. I mean, so some people like uh so Winston Churchill, for example, is literally doing this himself. Yeah, and he's, Coco Chanel too, yeah, right? Yeah, She's yeah. like paying off people like, hey, please don't tell them that I was a Nazi spy. Yes, nobody, nobody liked Coco Chanel enough that she could rely on them to no. do this work. So she was just like, I'm going to pay people off while I still am alive and have money. And I'm going to try to actively erase the stories of how I was a Nazi spy from the collective conscience. Yep. Uh, Winston Churchill was like, I literally am going to write histories he wins his Nobel Prize for Literature for writing the histories mm-hmm. and just, like, of course writes himself to be this grand hero, right? So, like, not everybody has this crew because they can just skip the skip the middleman, mm-hmm. go right to, you know, glorifying themselves. Um, but, yeah, so the people that do it for other people, it's a, lo- it's a lot of different things, right? I, I think it is, yeah, it, I am consistently shocked at the degree to which a subset of people... When faced with somebody who is very self-confident, very loud, and totally lacks empathy, (laughs) will go to bat for that person despite all evidence of them being a deeply hollow, miserable core of a human and not caring anything about you instead. Right. I think there's – yeah, it's so surprising to me. Uh, Something else that's confusing to me about our heroes, not necessarily their cleanup crew. Everybody has this – desire for connection for affection to have a community but there's something next level in wanting the amount of notoriety so many of our heroes wanted right like to have that be the end goal for so much of their behavior that to me is really confusing like it takes a certain kind of person to want that much power yeah i mean in some cases, power. In some cases, just the notoriety. So I think about, like, a lot of the people that had issues with their family. Unhe- un- un- um, unhealed isn't the word I was looking for. Unprocessed childhood drama. Yeah. I mean, trauma. so so many mommy issues. Yeah. 
or daddy mm. issues. So I think sure. of, like Lennon, clearly dad yeah. issues and mommy issues too. Yeah. yeah well, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Right. Uh, poor Marie Antoinette. She's on this list. She got married off at 11. That's pretty traumatic. Yeah, that will do. Like it. she didn't seek out power, but she certainly like once she hadn't, didn't shy away from exercising it. If you want to be incredibly powerful, mm-hmm. it will cost you a lot. Mm-hmm. It will cost you a lot of things about a normal life that people like. Right. It will cost you a lot of things about a happy life that people like. Mm-hmm. You sacrifice a lot to just go after that power. Right. And so there has to be something about you that's like off in the sense that it's not normal to like seek it out. Right. Or uh, you're just naive, like you don't fully understand. Like I think about so many in contemporary times, right? Like influencers, celebrities. I think about how poor Taylor Swift, <laughs> for whatever <laughs> flaws that woman has, how can you possibly comprehend the consequences of billions of people knowing who you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Celebrities now, there's no way. Nobody right. signs. Nobody has any idea what it's actually like when they sign up for it. They no. think they know. They think they want it. And they get there. And whether or not they actually like it or not probably has no resemblance to what they thought it was like before. Right. But then they built a system, a team. They feel responsible. It's like hard to walk away. Back, you know, who's our most contemporary person on this list? Like Reagan, I think Steve Jobs is probably the oh, most Steve Jobs, yeah. Died. He like notoriously wanted the fame, <laughs> the notoriety, the like prestige of being the first and the best. Yeah, he he wanted the story. He, he he liked it being about him in a way that like very few CEOs previous like in other modern consciousness have been able to do. Right, right. like he wanted the event where he got to announce the thing to hold it, mm-hmm. and that's so much of his lore, right? Yeah, we think oh he invented the iPhone, but when you think about Steve Jobs, the first thing you think about is like, oh, he was kind of maniacal. Yeah, maniacal. And and the more you dig in, like, yeah, he was not actually doing the inventing, right? Like, no, he was very much just the person who wanted to be that face. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably a contemporary layer here. The next generation of heroes, right? The closer people are to the present day. I think what you'll tend to see is that we're going to have this unique phenomenon where you could be someone who is contemporaneously instantaneously known right by hundreds of millions or billions of people Mm -hmm. and like there's just been no parallel even the most famous of people before at least from a psychological level like you were never directly interacting with more than like right a few hundred maybe a few thousand people at a time and now like there's just no way your human brain can comprehend what it's like so i think all of the personality traits that have driven these people throughout history i think you will start to see those and like you will start to see those intensified in a way in current culture that is just going to be going to be wild. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also easier to be louder. It's easier to be more, quote unquote, confident, but just like have a strong opinion. Right. And the technology that we use allows people to sort of disengage from that human connection. So you can be shameless in a way. Right. It's just like other people behind a computer screen. And we have entire, there's like a whole expertise around crisis management and cleanup crews. And like, yeah, it's... um, The selective editing of history. Yeah, I'm thinking of some of the most like notoriously quote unquote nice celebrities. And when you hear real stories about them... Oh, man. You think, 
wow, if they were dead, they'd be on the Meet Your Heroes podcast. But yes. they have so much money, we can't afford to be sued. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, hearing hearing like shockingly, yeah, uh, shocking lacks of, stories with showing that some people that you think are nice have shocking lacks of empathy is definitely jarring. I mean, like, I'll put it this way. All of these same tools, all these same cultural forces that amplify these same historical trends, right? I think we're living through a time when we are starting to see the consequences of that, like, obviously, mm. right? If you start to let that shape your political discourse, there you, go. you start to see all of these same trends. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's something weird about being on the other side of this phenomenon and not just the people who exhibit these kind of things, but then, like you said before, the followers who like begin to in some way tie their own identities to that same thing. And you're like, oh man, like that is the melding of that personal sense of identity of the followers with this really confident, loud, lacking empathy identity at the core. Mm. And like that unholy swirl, right, Mm -hmm. is just, if you're in it, I'm sure it feels like very validating to have that like in group. For sure. That's actually, you're describing a cult. I mean, but but from the outside, (laughs) it's just a watch is just, it is shocking. It is shocking. So yeah, I want to keep thinking about this as we do more episodes, like... What are the trends we see in these people as individuals from their followers? But also, what is it about us, the people who digest history, who are interested in it? Like, why are we drawn to them over and over again? Because I think there's there's probably more than what we're able to unpack after 18 episodes, right? Oh, absolutely. So that's like at a, at a big scale. On a more episodic level, were there any of our heroes that, surprised you as you were like researching them or as they were featured a couple that surprised me so one columbus surprised me still does this day really yeah because to I, me he seems like the most villainous on the list well so here's the thing i always knew that he was kind of a villain i didn't understand one just how like psychotic he like he clearly like violent like the chopping mm-hmm. of people with like machetes and like I, I just always assume, oh, you bring smallpox by accident or something. And then just like to see like He's systematic sadistic. violence. Yeah, sadistic violence. Yeah. That was shocking to me still. And what was also shocking to me about him is that his cleanup crew that like made him a hero was not anybody who was alive when he was. Right, like other right. people were they like, were this motherfucker. Like, no, yeah, get out of here. Yeah, you're a buffoon. Get yeah. out. <laughs> it just so happened. Like, he, his story just happened to play a convenient political narrative like hundreds of years later that like mm-hmm. enshrined him in our particular contemporary American history in a way that, like, he otherwise had no right to and nobody was going to do. Totally. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to episode two, the Columbus episode, it is really interesting. I learned a ton about how he has become part of the, like, historical canon of people that we put up on, you know, the heroic pedestal. Yeah. How about you? Who who surprised you? I am surprised every single time. Um Man, Graham Bell is a bizarre motherfucker. Yes, <laughs> I yes. did not realize. The dog talking. The dog ventriloquism. <laughs> that kills me. That still kills me. I still giggle when I think about that. Um, I was surprised by Elvis. I didn't... Doing this research, right? Like, we 
we made a list of just famous people, famous heroes. And we go down the list each week and we're like, who are we going to do? Why? Some of them, we just have like a hunch. We're just like, these people were very famous there has to be something wrong with them. Right? Yeah, I've never heard anything about them that would no. lead me to believe that they were anything other than like the you know cultural icon they are. Yes, but they seem like they've got some they've got some skeletons in the closet. Right, and so I was just like very surprised by the number of fourteen year olds Elvis was comfortable pillow fighting with. Very surprised yeah. by that. Yeah, I also was surprised by John Lennon. Like, I knew, he just looking at him, you're like, mm, this guy is not peace-loving. Like, he, he's he got a glint in his eye that is that sort of, like, finds joy in other people's pain, mm. right? Uh, but I didn't really know that he, like, strangled women and hit his wives. <laughs> like, yes. Didn't know any of that. Definitely not part of the image of the Beatles. Mm-mm, no. And then, you know, I... The, the Coco Chanel episode, I think, is really interesting because of how much cover-up happened, yeah. right? And that she orchestrated it. And really, it was like, oh, everybody back then knew she was a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. And, like, she was alive until many years after the war and got a big, huge break after the war in yeah. America. Like, that's when she was, like, most famous, the thing that's crazy to me about Chanel was just that, like, she ended up not just personally sleeping with Nazis to mm-hmm. try to save her own skin, being a Nazi spy, but then her name became the brand that everybody saw as, like, this luxury item, right? Yes. Like, her actual name is the thing. Right. The name of the person who did it mm-hmm. is what people see as the status symbol. Like, that, to me, is, like, the most crazy example of this. Yeah. Yeah. Really bizarre. Um, you know, I was not surprised by the amount of racism. No. Holy shit. Yes. So much racism. And, you know, like if we were featuring contemporaneous folks, too, I'm sure we would dig that up in a lot of heroes. You just, again, you just have to be willing to step on people's necks. And for people who want the amount of fame and power that these folks wanted, the easiest necks to step on are the people who are most vulnerable. Yeah, Gandhi's racism was surprising to me. Yeah, that is surprising. I didn't act, like I didn't know that much about Gandhi at all. Um, I'm the sort of person that if somebody is like f- famous or in the zeitgeist, I'm like, mm, who cares next? <laughs> like, <laughs> let's get to the the you know the people on the fringes. So I didn't really know much about Gandhi. I didn't know he lived in South Africa for 21 years. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. Wait, just to be clarify, you're saying if somebody's famous. Or a celebrity, you have no interest in reading any gossip about no, no, them. No, that's very different. Oh, what? I have no interest in like, in, in like caring or knowing about them. So, celebrity gossip, listen, okay, this <laughs> it's not my proudest. It's not my proudest uh, interest. Interest, but times are really slow in this quarantine <laughs> home. <laughs> yes. Last question: What mm-hmm. What do you think? What kind of hero is? The hardest, the hardest to research, mm-hmm. the hardest to have on the episode. Yeah. So in general, I think spiritual leaders are very difficult to feature. Yeah. Because, yeah. and political leaders, I think they're difficult because at the same time that you're criticizing their behavior, you're criticizing entire, like, ideologies. Um, yeah. And and even with, like, Steve Jobs, right? Right. I have an iPhone. 
I use a Mac. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels weird. It's not like, a perfect world. No. But what I'm saying is, like, that is, like, the, the least bit of affiliation mm -hmm. with him as a person, right? Yes. It's just the tiniest bit. And it still feels uncomfortable to yeah. be, like... Oh, this I'm like I'm associated with this guy. Like I don't mm -hmm. like it. It feels bad. Mm -hmm. So imagining like somebody as a religious figure right. for a religion you believe in, or or pol political figure for politics you believe in, it it's like I mean cranked up to eleven. Yes. One of my childhood heroes is quite possibly one of the most predatory people that I can think of, mm. and I have not been able to bring myself to feature this hero. Oh yeah. I, I will. They're not my hero anymore. But yeah, there's a lot of baggage. And I your, also... Your childhood hero, of course, being, uh, just a spoiler for the episode, R. Kelly. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> False. False. <laughs> Listen. Okay, so to, that brings up another thing that's difficult, uh, the kind of person that's difficult to feature. Women. And people of color, right? Because yeah. they're already starting from places of oppression. It's it's hard to fault a lot of people who come from different backgrounds for doing what they have to do to get to the same place that some like mediocre white dude started at. Yeah, it's a very different story to tell uh, from British colonial power of mm -hmm. Winston Churchill. And then there's the layers of... Somebody like Gandhi, mm -hmm. right? Who's like very nuanced, who does a lot of things that are like positive for the world. Right. I, w I will say this. I once, as just as an experiment, went to research Nelson Mandela to right. see if we could pull an episode on Nelson Mandela. Because I was mm -hmm. like, what is there in this guy's closet? Yeah. And I got to tell you, like, so at one point in his life, he was like in an armed militant group, right? Like mm -hmm. resisting. So outside of the fact that like at one point there was like, some collateral damage, right? In the fights where he was fighting militaries yeah. and like innocent people to get killed. There was like, he's like a saint, right? There's like nothing <laughs> in his background sure. that was at all interesting from like a scandalous point of view. Yeah. It's incredibly interesting history, right? But like, I'm always like looking for that bit of scandal. There's mm -hmm. nothing to get my hooks in. But if there had been, let's say he had been like a real dirtbag to somebody in his life, mm -hmm. it's really hard to like, yeah. to then try to pretend like Nelson Mandela is, you know, some flawed person when. He's coming from the situation of being jailed for so many years, and like <laughs> yeah. like trying to fight apartheid in present day, like right. during our lifetimes. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. It's also really difficult to research anybody that's alive. Uh, just like that could get very messy. Yeah. Difficult from a avoiding lawsuits perspective, for it, sure. For sure. And, you know, part of this is this entire podcast is to share parts of people's lives that the general public might not know. People we generally think of or regard as, hey, they did mostly good or they're famous. But then there are people who are famous and everybody knows they're a dirtbag. So it's like, do we really waste our time featuring them? Or do we want that element where we surprise the people who are listening with like, oh, you thought Mother Teresa was a saint and actually womp womp. Um, yeah. So it's just tricky. It's womp like, womp, she's still technically a saint, still according technically to the Catholic Church. But, but get ready. Buckle up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say the, the last type of person that's really hard to do is anybody from before the Dark Ages. Mm, because yeah. let me Oof. tell you, as historical records in the Western world and the Eastern world, I guess, to a lesser degree, start to deteriorate. Like we went back, we tried to do one on Cleopatra. 
Yeah, and you're like, hey, do you know this very specific island in the Mediterranean <laughs> where this boat landed? And then, like, three weeks later, they, de- they like, got off the boat, and then this happened, and that person. And it's scandalous, but you're just like, wow, there's a lot of complicated things <laughs> that you would need more of a historical context to understand. Yes, yes. And that's true. I think we are clearly weighted towards, like, around the 18th, 19th century at this point, definitely Western world, don't have a lot of context on Eastern history, right. don't have a lot of context in like later, earlier history, ancient mm-hmm. history for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's it's real hard when you don't have people who are writing anything down in English that you can <laughs> find on Wikipedia to as reference material. Right. Uh, but we'll, we'll do our best. I'm sure there are better historians. I'm sure there are actual historians who can make yeah. really interesting stories about Cleopatra really accessible. Sure. And I'm just... Not that person. Yeah, it's not the accessibility. It's the, like, exposing, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody knows a general story. Um, but it's the, like, you need to know that so-and-so's brother's son ended up dating so-and-so's sister's husband, and it was, like, scandalous. And then, you know. Okay, so Ramsey's the fourth, and then Ramsey's the sixth. Yes, and then yes, his brother, yes, Ramsey's yes. the nineteenth. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and then I think very, very last, and this is similar to the Mandela one, it's people who did do a lot of good in the world, who actually did, like, very heroic things, but who also did some, like, very terrible things in the background. Um, if you're just, like, middling and contributed interesting things to history and you were a dick in the background, that's fine. But then there are people who, like, you know donate $50 million to AIDS research, but also, like, abuse their housekeepers. Yeah. Or Einstein. Einstein was my best try at this, right? Like, mm-hmm. helped usher in the end of the war and, like, breakthroughs in, you know, science that still make our modern life possible, but also, like, partly responsible for the introduction of the atomic bomb mm-hmm. and killing of hundreds of thousands of civilians and, like, that arc of history. Um, yeah, I don't have any idea what I would have done where I've been in similar shoes. I can't imagine anybody actually being in that position. But, like, how do you balance on... How do you weigh the hundreds of thousands of lives of innocent people that died versus the other contributions? Is there a way to make that decision uh, rationally? Or is I mean, it... our government currently is not. Well, no. No, this is true. <laughs> We're yeah. not seeing any examples of it. We're not seeing... Yeah, there's no attempt at this point at rational decision-making in that realm. But Mm-mm. if you were trying, could you? Like, where do you... Yeah. Being a human is messy. Being a hero is very difficult. Getting there, staying there, and then whatever your legacy ends up being. It's it's not pretty. But if you are interested in having that messy, complicated human experience distilled down and totally misrepresented once a week. (laughs) It's not misrepresented. (laughs) It's just like the SparkNotes version. There we go. We're we're like spark notes. That's what we are. <laughs> we're spark notes for the fun parts of history that you didn't learn in school. All right. Well, there we have it. Another week, more opinions, loud ones, confident ones. And with no concern for your human suffering. Yeah, we have no shame. Actually, all we have is shame. We are filled to the brim with shame. <laughs> but thanks for listening anyway. If the people would like to find themselves confidently on our website, mm-hmm. how could they do so? Well, our website is meetyourheroespodcast.com. Our handle on social media is at yourheroespod. Um, I want to, this is not an advertisement, but I do want to give a plug for this very cool new app. It's called Good Pods. 
and basically it's um, I've been using it recently they can get good pods and you can find your friends it's like social media for podcasts it's basically like Goodreads but for podcasts uh. so your friends can recommend an episode or um, a show they can like type in their response to it like oh my gosh I just listened to this this week and you know I learned blah 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 go find us on there follow us um, and then you can share our episode with your networks without having to like copy paste it just shows like you can set it so it automatically shows whatever podcast you're listening to or you can curate it with more privacy nice yeah it's been a pretty cool tool awesome well until the next week of Wednesdays don't be a hero don't be a hero bye bye